of the sky. Look. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. As always, I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, and this is the podcast exclusively about animation from the world of comic books. Welcome to episode 42. Got an exciting episode this week, but before we get into it, I'm going to explain the rules. In case you're new to the show, rule number one every week, we're talking comic book animation. It's in the intro, you should know that by now. Number two, big fan of Marvel Team-Up, DC Comics Presents, Brave and the Bold, all the old team-up books. So it's me and a guest every week talking comic book animation. And third and most important, we gotta have fun. Like I said, welcome to episode 42 and this week, we're going to discuss a character we haven't discussed on the multiverse at this point. The one, the only, the Silver Surfer. But, before we get into that, I'm going to bring on my guest. He's a uh, New England wrestling legend, a former chaotic New England champion. Welcome to the multiverse, Mr. Remarkable, Adam Booker. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Legend is uh, uh, probably a little extreme. But I appreciate it. <laughs> Welcome to episode 42. We are going to be talking the Silver Surfer, but uh, why don't you share with me and everybody else like uh, the beginning, your comic book origins, the beginning, what really got you into comic books and at what point in your life? Yeah, sure, sure. I was the uh, youngest of three boys and uh, both of my brothers uh, had some interest in, I mean, at this point, honestly, I don't remember how really into it they were. Um, but enough that uh, they had some comic books up on their walls. So that was my initial exposure. And I started buying comics and uh, reading them 12 years old, maybe, uh, or no, a little younger, 10 to 12 ish, something like that. Uh, and this would have been in the 90s. So I was a, definitely a 90s comic child. So, uh, and I was a Marvel reader, not a DC uh, fan. I have no clue, honestly. Probably, I guess, because of my brother's taste is where that came from. Uh, but I truly don't know. Uh, it just happened to be what I fell into. Um, so I was a big uh, X-Men, Wolverine, Reader. Um, yeah, that sort of stuff. The 90s oh. stuff. Deadpool. If you're especially an X-Men fan, the 90s were a great time to start your journey into comic books. Like They overtook that decade. Yeah, there's no shortage of X-Men titles, that's for sure. <laughs> I love the cartoon, too. The animated series. We'll have to uh, bring you back again for another, uh, we did an episode, but I don't mind if we review every single episode of that cartoon. <laughs> right. Or maybe the new ones that come out. That's right. They have the, are you excited for the uh, the return of the X-Men, the animated series? I am. I am. I'm definitely looking forward to see uh, how they handle it and they try to just make it look like they're picking up uh, where they left off or if there's some sort of whole new introduction to it or whatnot. I'm curious. So we're going to talk the Silver surfer now before we get into any of this we were discussing this a little bit before we started recording until about a year or so ago i didn't even know this cartoon existed <laughs> yeah i had definitely seen some of this as a kid um but nothing like how i watched like you know the x-men animated series or whatnot uh, so i couldn't recall direct episodes but i definitely remembered enjoying it so before we get into the cartoon the silver surfer was created by Jack Kirby back in 1966. Fantastic Four issue 48. Yeah, Jack Kirby is great. Now, um, some interesting uh, stuff about this is um, this is back in that age. One of the few things that he created on his own, where they had the the Marvel method of writing comics, where Jack had done a lot of the layouts after they had plotted it together, and then Stan did a lot of the word balloons and the script after the artwork is already done. Mm -hmm. So Jack threw in the silver surfer without any discussion with Stan <laughs> Lee before that happened. 
<laughs> Interesting. I didn't know that one. Stan is even quoted as when he saw the pages saying, who is this nut on this flying surfboard? <laughs> but interestingly enough, Stan Lee fell in love with the character. And for a long time, uh, Stan Lee was insistent that uh, nobody but him could write it. In fact, that's why other than the Silver Surfer series in the 60s, he didn't have another comic book of his own until the late 80s. Hmm. Do you know who took over it in the 80s? Um, staying, uh, was it Jim Starlin? Starlin, or? okay. That, I might have Yes, because he, uh, was the creator of, uh, Thanos and, and, uh, Silver Surfer was heavily tied in, so. Yeah, there was a fan, a Silver Surfer one shot that Stan Lee had worked on the script where John Byrne had done the, the writing and I believe the artwork. And then he launched the series. Steve Englehart might have been the first writer on that series. Okay. To be honest, um, I know Ron Mars had the longest run later of the era that led to the Infinity Gauntlet and, and the return of Thanos and all of that. Interesting enough, Jack Kirby says that uh, the surfboard only came about because he said he was sick of drawing spaceships. Yeah. <laughs> all the reason you need. That's it. Good enough. And then he did have, yeah, his own series in 1967, which Stan Lee did write, but John Buscemi was the uh, artist as well. But that series didn't last a super long time. I've seen some uh, of the modern series. I don't know if it's the one that, that's currently uh, coming out for him or whatnot, but something within the last 10 years where uh, I, I did not like the art style at all. Well, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Ron Lim and Ron Mars have just reunited to do a Silver Surfer series that I think number one just came out. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, uh, so it's exciting for some people that were, you know, the 80s, 90s were their favorite era. Yeah. Ron Mars has been kind of, he's got some haters and lovers because of mostly what he did to Green Lantern in the 90s where he mm. replaced Hal Jordan. So some people still still hold a grudge for that, even though this is like <laughs> almost, almost 30 years later. So then we got the Silver Surfer series on Fox Kids Network. And uh, the first episode, which we're going to talk about, The Origin of the Silver Surfer Part 1, original air date, February 7th, 1998. 98. I couldn't remember that. It's crazy that that, so it doesn't seem that long ago, but it's 24 years ago when you think about it. It doesn't seem that long ago to old people like you and I. (laughs) So uh, it was developed, uh, created by uh, Larry Brody. Uh, he worked, it was Marvel Entertainment Animation, Sabin Entertainment, and Acom Animation. Acom had actually also worked on a lot of the X-Men, the animated series cartoon. Yeah, Sabin's a big one too, a big name from that time period. And um, you must remember the 90s, uh, not only Marvel, but Marvel and DC was pretty much exploding with superhero animation in that time period. Yeah, they were, they were the lineup after school. Yeah, Batman, uh, I can't remember if X-Men was weekdays, I mean, or if that was just Saturday mornings. I think I might have been a Saturday morning one for me. Yeah, then then led to Superman, the Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Silver Surfer, the Hulk. Like a lot of it's attributed to Marvel went through their financial bankruptcy problems, so they were licensing like everything at that point. Yep. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, I can't think of a decade, any era of my life where comic books were selling more than they were in the nineties. Yeah, so yeah, it's crazy that they were going through bankruptcy. And they, yeah, well, they um, uh, oversaturated print-wise, too. And that was also what led to the formation of uh, Image Comics as well, because those guys were getting tired of doing all the work, selling all these books, but not getting all the money. Yeah, yeah. So, back to the (laughs) Silver Surfer. (laughs) Back to Surfer. So, Larry Brody, who created this show, he had also, previously, he had written episodes of the Star Trek animated show, the Spider-Man cartoon, the Spawn animated series. Uh, he even wrote an episode of the live-action Six Million Dollar Man. <laughs> he credits the series was a inspiration was the original Fantastic Four run, and he also credits the Bible and Shakespeare as influencing his writing on this series. <laughs> yeah, well, Silver Surfer um, is a bit of an existential sort of character, so I guess I could see that getting into religious sort of stuff. And even um, the uh, famous science fiction writer Harlan Ellison wrote one of the stories in one of the episodes as well. Oh, nice. And they said this was um, a, it was a rare combination of they did traditional cell animation 
but mixed it with computer generation animation as well. Yeah, I plan to bring that up too. Yeah, it's in that uh, awkward time period there in the 90s where they're like mixing and um, we're not incredibly good at it yet. <laughs> so that sort of CGI stuff uh, sands out a bit. They'd done some on the Iron Man cartoon, Spider-Man the Animated Series, and this with some varying results. <laughs> if you remember the Iron Man cartoon, it was particularly terrible. Was it bad? I didn't happen to watch that much as, as a kid, so I'm not so familiar with that one. One of my earlier episodes, we reviewed an episode of the Iron Man, and they did this. When he changes into the armor, it's they switch to CG animation, and it's... Oh. <laughs> not only is it bad it just doesn't mesh with the rest of the animation so it really stands out yeah I, that is the biggest part it jars you a little too much and kind of takes you out of it when it just does not look like it's the same world the spider-man they did mostly the the city scenes and the intro was where they incorporated the cgi yeah the tone of this they say is more a little less childish and a little more adult yeah that probably gets into the existential sort of stuff of silver surfer I would assume, at least, for why they think it feels more adult, at least. It's not like it's edgy, mature, mature sort of content or something. Um, they had to make some changes. Obviously, the Fantastic Four are not incorporated into his origin, uh, being that they were licensed to another animation studio at the time. Censorship. When Thanos does show up later on, he doesn't... He worships Lady Chaos. Instead of worshiping death, he cannot worship death. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. And um, this is kind of off the subject, but a little bit. Uh, you have a Thanos tattoo and whatnot. What did you think of the MCU kind of changing his motivation in the films? First, I will say I did absolutely love him in the films. Um, but I mean, that is the biggest sort of letdown as a, a long-term uh, hardcore fan of Thanos. Um, to have that aspect missing um, is, like I said, is just a letdown. It didn't make it not work. But then it's also non-fans kind of biggest sticking point is his motivation was a little silly if you know anything about like math <laughs> because you know you can wipe out 50 percent of a reproducing thing uh, but it's just gonna replace that anyway so it just uh, sucked that it left that kind of logic gap uh when as a long-term fan you want to just be like well no but the real reason he was really doing it was this and i don't have a clue what you're talking about yeah, I kind of go back and forth, which I think it does. It it works. It's just yeah. It it there are some things when you, if you think about them too much, that doesn't the logic is kind of not there. Yeah, exactly. That's why I say like I I loved it and it was like a, a fantastic thing to have because uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Even though I say I was definitely a big like X Men uh, Wolverine sort of typical kid in the nineties. Uh, my favorite like series was definitely the Infinity Gauntlet, that six book series, and uh, and then some of the Infinity War stuff after, and the all the supporting materials too. I suppose that led up to it. That was really what uh, got me into Silver Surfer as a kid. Was that stuff? Well, if you're a fan of the Cosmic Marvel, this is really the series for you. I looked into. We're only doing the one episode, but uh, Silver Surfer shows up. Galactus, Thanos, Ego, the Living yeah. Planet, Adam Warlock. A lot of, I believe some of the other Heralds of Galactus show up, and this is only 13 episodes. <laughs> the Kree and the Skrull show up as well. Uh, yeah, and I watched the first, I think just two, um, to kind of refresh myself a little bit too. A lot of those characters show up pretty quick. <laughs> so uh, the episode was written by Larry Brody. It's um, The season only ran 13 episodes. I found out that uh, uh, they had actually scripted eight episodes of a second season, but he uh, said uh, due to a lawsuit with uh, Saban Entertainment and Marvel and uh, some of the financial problems of Marvel, they were unable to commit to a second season. That's too bad. <laughs> I remember, and, too, there's a Silver Surfer video game that I remember liking a lot as a kid. I've never actually played I remember it existed, but uh, I never actually played it. Yeah. And also, I'm told, I haven't watched all of it, that the final episode ends on a huge cliffhanger, I'm told. Oh, really? I didn't get all the way to, to realize. Huh, I wonder what it is now. <laughs> you imagine? Uh, they get a lot of stuff in, like I said, in the early episodes. I wonder what the cliffhanger is that they left. Yeah, I know you said you're not a DC guy, but the Black Racer character, a lot of people say is was kind of a knockoff of the Silver Surfer that was 
but that was also a Kirby creation, so you know it's normal for artists to kind of re- rehash their own ideas. Yeah, that, that's not the only time that's happened for sure. They still want to play with their characters; they just gotta twist them up a little bit and put a new coat of paint on them. So the Silver Surfer, um, obviously, we covered Jack Kirby created him. He's voiced by a Paul Insombre. Most of the stuff I could find for him was voiceover work. He was the swordsman on the Avengers uh, United We Stand cartoon. Okay. <laughs> he apparently, I didn't even know this existed. Apparently, he did a voice on the Anne of Green Gables animated series. <laughs> An animated series, huh? Uh, That's what that show was missing there. Yeah. <laughs> is that a show, right? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a book that became a show and then a movie. I just can't believe there's an animated version of it out there somewhere. <laughs> Galactus, who is one of my uh, all-time favorite villains, he's on this episode. He's created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. A James Blendick does his voice. Favorite of yours, then you must have loved the Fantastic Four movie representation of him. Oh, my God. I <laughs> That second movie makes me so mad. Like Silver Surfer is awesome in the movie, and then Galactus is a is a cloud. <laughs> uh, I'd rather they just not had him in it than do the horrible way they did it. In that I mean, the movie wasn't that good anyway, but that just made it even worse. It did, yeah, uh, and I agree too. Yeah, I'd rather leave him as a ominous figure that you never see or something if you really can't pull it off right. Because I mean, he looked, should have looked like uh, Arishim looked in the Eternals if you've seen that. I have actually not seen that. You haven't? Well, you do do get a shot of him uh, near Earth in the movie, and he has the correct sort of proportions that Galactus should have had. Well, I saw when they uh, did the shot of the Celestials in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, so I see no reason why they can't do Galactus right now. Yeah, now now they definitely should be able to do it. I mean, they probably could have done it a lot of time before, too, but they chose not to for whatever budgetary reasons or whatnot. Who knows? Yeah, I'm hoping now that the MCU has got all the rights back. I'm hoping we'll finally get a good Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, I think we will. I think we will. I didn't see the last. Did you see the 2015 one? I watched it at some point. Yeah, not like I went to the theaters or anything, but eventually I did watch it. I've never seen it. It's universally banned as one of the worst superhero movies of all time. Yeah, I don't know why they just uh, dropped the ball so hard every time they tried to do Fantastic Four, but yeah, they were so bad, both of them. So uh, James Blendick does his voice. He's mostly a voiceover actor. Um, The only thing I can really find is on the X-Men cartoon, he did the voice of the High Evolutionary, and he did the voice of Apocalypse. Oh, okay. Uh, Utah, or uh, I'm not even sure how you say it. The Watcher's name is spelled U-A-T-U. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Watu. Watu, there you go. All right. Uatu. Uatu. All right. Anybody who's listened to this show knows my I'm horrible at pronunciation. <laughs> Gotta get so that I, U and A sound in there. Uatu. He's uh created by Jack Lee. Jack Lee. He's created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. <laughs> and uh Colin Fox does his voice, who uh this guy apparently is a is a lifetime character actor. Everything I saw on him was like he one episode of this, one episode of that. He's been on everything from Spencer for Hire to Goosebumps to Law and Order. He was even on Friday the 13th, the, the television series. I don't know if you're old enough to remember that. Don't remember that. Yeah, it was it was late 80s. Yeah. It had nothing to do with Jason. <laughs> I remember as a little kid in that time period playing uh, the Friday the 13th video game. Again, I'm going to video <laughs> game. I think it was uh, uh, Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo, the original Nintendo. <laughs> um, do you ever beat that game? Because I don't know if you know what happens when you get to the end. No, I don't. I never did because that was certainly a time period when I was playing it where I like played games and had a had a blast, but I didn't necessarily know like what the hell I was doing. Super difficult. When you finally beat it, it says you should know by now you can never defeat Jason, and the game starts all over again. <laughs> uh games were good back then before we got into real like game theory and uh yeah that sort of stuff they just made them hard by just making them too hard for you to finish and things like that (laughs) and finally rounding out the cast this episode the love interest shalabal she was created by stanley and john buscemi Uh, she's voiced by uh, camilla scott whose biggest claim to fame was she played melissa anderson on days of our lives (laughs) 
<laughs> so there's obviously more characters, uh, but I only, uh, when I do the credit as credit is due, I only go with the characters that appear on the episode. Yep. Makes sense. So without further ado, we are going to watch the Silver Surfer cartoon, the origin of the Silver Surfer part one, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Stay with us. Mr. Surfer, have you ever considered propane as an alternative energy source for that board of yours? With a little retooling, I could get it to work. Tell you what I'm going to do. Being that you're my neighbor and I like you, I'm going to give you the new neighbor discount and a free t-shirt. So what do you say? Take a ride on the Cosmic Tide on an all-new Silver Surfer next as Fox Kids Heads for the Hills continues. Just think, with repeat business like that, I could eventually be supplying propane galaxy-wide. Everywhere the surfer goes, eight days later, the planet dies. All that you know is at an end. How do you fight something that can eat planets? Leave that to me. I'm so hot for you right now. Me too! Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, June 15th. Tonight's homework assignment is Spot Levels 1 through 5. Part Silver Surfer Levels 3 through 8. Pay attention to the evil magic warriors, Mephisto, Emperor Reptile, and the rest. Your assignment is find Silver Surfer and Spot at these stores only for Nintendo. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. And we are back. We just watched Silver Surfer, uh, the origin of the Silver Surfer Part 1. Right off the bat, I gotta say those uh, opening credits are pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. I love it. The music, oh, too, is weird. Like chorus, sort of orchestral, sort of sound that they have to it. Right? <laughs> yeah, it definitely wasn't your traditional like superhero intro song. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely just a cool mix of the. Uh, I I know some people are critical, but I know I like the 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 way they mix the CGI with the traditional cell animation. Yeah, it's working for you. <laughs> I, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, some of it's not bad. Yeah, some of it stands out a bit much to me. Um, but yeah, Galactus in particular is uh, every shot he's in is uh, is CGI. Yeah, yeah. So the opener is the narrator, which is the Watcher. He's talking about the galaxy and uh, there's different planets, different civilizations. He uh, he sounds pretty good. Sounds kind of like I picture the Watcher sounding. Yeah, yeah. I think his voice is pretty spot on for what I expect. <laughs> they talk about the uh, how the Kree and the Skrulls are the two civilizations that are conquering the galaxy. They're both in a war. Gotta say, the Kree looks good, but there's something kind of off about the Skrull design. Yeah, it's a little weak. I agree. The big ears that they have, too. Yeah, and they look like almost hunchback or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are kind of hunched over. I don't know if it's because they wanted to make him look uh, somewhat more animal-like or what, but yeah, man, they get those, like I said, giant ears that make him look kind of like twisted elves. <laughs> so we go to Galactus, who's pretty, I gotta say, he's badass, sitting in this giant throne, eating the planet. He looks pretty awesome. And they didn't, his design is perfect. He looks exactly like he came off the comic book. Galactus looks great, and uh, the energy that they put around him uh, looks great, too. They do it slightly different where, uh, well, they've done it different over the years. This one, he does the giant machine that the tentacles dig into the earth, and that's how he absorbed the energy. They've also done the bit where he kind of just, not in the cartoon, but in the comics, where sometimes he just stands there and he sort of sinks into the planet, and the planet explodes. Yeah, it's definitely been represented a few ways 
I would bring up too. Uh, this is once it gets kind of past that Galactus intro, starts showing uh, some of the shots of space, and then gives you a classic shot of Uatu where they just show his outline. That's a very classic comics shot right there. The way they show him. Yeah, it was pretty awesome because they he started talking, but they didn't show him. They built up to his actual first appearance. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, that's how I uh, I think it was probably Starlin that I would see him draw him that way. I'm not sure if he's the one who really originated it, but. It could have been from Kirby. You also see in the background the Kirby Crackle. Are you familiar with the Kirby Crackle? Yes, I uh, I did. I didn't actually notice that, but I I, I from Earth, I am familiar with the Kirby Crackle. Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you see it in the black uh, dots in the in the background of space animation. Nice. So that's nice. Nice to see that homage pop up. Now I don't remember when the Watcher first appeared. He actually had. In the comics, he had pupils, and then later on, they went to the the pure white, which I think the pure white always looked better. Yeah, the pure white's what I I know. He did have pupils before, huh? Yeah, way back in the sixties when he first appeared, um, and then they evolved into the. I think the pure white look I think is so much better. Yeah, I agree. Um, he says how uh, he's taken an oath to never interfere, which gives him great joy, but also great sorrow. Yes. <laughs> and right there, you know exactly what he's going to be doing later. <laughs> That's the thing about the Watcher is it <laughs> in the comics, cartoons, movie, he's, he breaks his oath way too many times, I feel. All the time. If he shows up, that's because he showed up to break his oath, most likely. <laughs> and the first thing they always you know, end up reminding you is he does not interfere. <laughs> I literally think the What If comic book is like the only comic where he ever actually just watched and never interfered. That's a good point. <laughs> but granted, I haven't read every issue, so for all I know, there's an issue of What If where he probably does break his oath. Yeah, I didn't get to them all either, but those were great comics when I was a kid. I loved that sort of being willing to uh, write a little story that just throws all the rules out and kills people and stuff like that. I loved it. Yeah, and another note that that cartoon was awful. The What If cartoon, I, I hated. Didn't like it? Oh, I liked it. Uh, I watched three episodes, and I just, yeah, it just wasn't for me. Yeah, yeah, not everything is. I liked it. It eventually it does get, uh, you know, it does tie things together between episodes. And he does break his oath on that too, right? Of course, he's there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we go to uh, Zen Law, where uh, Shalabal and Norin Rad are together he's not the surfer yet talking about how their ancestors had the courage well he's talking about how the ancestors had the courage to leave the planet and explore the galaxy which has been his dream yes and he talks about it in that voice he (laughs) he has to not to knock the actor uh voice actor at all but that uh like just so hopeful and i don't even know the world out there sort of voice (laughs) again though his uh his design is pretty good it's pretty uh comic accurate i gotta say yeah I mean, Grant, it's a white bald guy, so I mean, it's not it's not that hard to make it correct. It does make it sometimes uh, look a little bit like uh, Professor X is just walking around. <laughs> so uh, she says that uh, they know, they already found that enlightenment, peace and happiness is in their own soul. They don't need to explore the galaxy. Uh, that people come to them to learn their ways. But uh, Norrin, he doesn't feel that peace and happiness. He dreams of other places. Yes, he dreams of the stars. Which is convenient to the to the plot. Um, maybe I'm jumping a few seconds ahead, but he seems to show like he has some sort of power. And I think maybe, again, I got ahead of you. Um, but yeah, he's, <laughs> he seems to be able to make their guns just completely disappear. Yeah, that um, there seems to be some implication that like the uh, the citizens of Zen Law have some sort of power, but they don't, not in this episode, do they really explore what it is exactly. They don't. So maybe it's technology. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> they don't they don't fully explain. So they uh, the Kree and Scroll warships land on Zenlaw, and they comment about how this is crazy because this has never happened before. And uh, right before the commercial, we get Galactus ship crashing through an asteroid where it's you know it's pretty ominous that he's heading to Zenlaw. Yeah, he's on the way. Now they have the scene where it's like a town hall or a city hall meeting where. The, the representative from the Kree and the scroll are there and there's a whole bunch of different aliens. And all I was wondering is um, 
is it people that have traveled here for this planet or is it multiple species on Zen law? Yeah. Yeah. It does uh, make you wonder if it's, um, interspecies, uh, living there or are they all there because this is such a monumental moment with the yeah, Cree yeah. and the, the scroll, you know, possibly being willing to, to talk about peace. Cause they say they're, they're both going to be the newest members of the Academy. Both are honored, but the scroll points out that they're more honored because they were accepted first. <laughs> yeah. They have to get that competitiveness across. And the, uh, the master who's moderating this, uh, he says, this is the first step towards peace. Like you had said earlier, he tells Norrin Rad to demonstrate the importance of weapons, at which point he destroys both of their guns. Just by thinking about it, pretty much. Yeah, so I don't know if it's like some kind of tele- tele- telepathy or what he's doing, but uh, he destroys their guns. He says to them that you'll find Zen laws no- like no planet you've ever been on, which the scroll has a pretty sarcastic retort where he says, eh, maybe one day you'll tell me about all your travels. <laughs> As if he knows his backstory too. He just knows. That's the uh, the old, um, you know, when an indie wrestler says, "Oh, my part of the country's the best," and someone says, "Yeah, how many territories you been to?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then the Watcher he appears in the sky, and they all comment about how whenever the Watcher shows up, that means it's bad news because usually destruction is going to follow. Yep. And right off the bat. He says he's breaking his vow by talking to you about Galactus is coming to Zen Law. Yeah, he lasted uh, about six minutes and 50 seconds. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they don't even jump right into it. (laughs) Now, in a way, this is kind of uh, very similar to the the Fantastic Four where the Watcher did show up to warn them of Galactus. So it's kind of the same thing except on Zen Law instead of Earth. Yeah, which is like you said, uh, they, they didn't have uh, Fantastic Four tied into his origins in this episode, but it's really fine that it didn't because the same thing plays out in his Norn Rad's home world anyway, and then it just happens on Earth for the Fantastic Four to have their story. So it's totally fine that they just made it happen here. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, Watcher says how he's a single person whose destiny is to feed on worlds. Galactus is either good nor evil. If the people on the planets he consumes survive, it's of no matter to him. So it's kind of a neat idea that he's uh, hes not really evil. He's just, he's been doing this for eons. This is how he, how he lives. I love that touch of Galactus, and I'm glad they preserved it. That sort of philosophical uh, look at it where he is just a, uh, a force of the universe that has to exist and... Uh, uh, therefore is neither good nor evil. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's like thinking about eliminating the ant colony living in your yard. <laughs> He's on that sort of level. You wouldn't even stop to consider like, Oh no, 20,000 ants just died. Yeah. And they say how Zen laws changed the destiny of galaxies and they, now they have to change their own. And then Galactus ship appears and everybody starts panicking and running like crazy. <laughs> Kind of quick to me, I, uh, I was surprised. A lot of times in a lot of comic stories, there's a buildup, but he right off the bat, he just shoots those giant metal tubes right into the planet, and he's, he's starting to feed. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we got an origin to, to accomplish here. We're not wasting time. I didn't quite catch this. Uh, I couldn't make it out. They say they must begin the ceremony of something, but I couldn't quite make out what he said. Did you quite make out what he said it was the ceremony of? No, no, I didn't. Hmm. It kind of bugged me because I watched it twice and I just couldn't. I don't know if it's because my daughter was making noise, but I just couldn't make out what he said. You know, it's funny is I have subtitles on and just have it playing in the background. The <laughs> oh, the ceremony of outreaching. That's what it was. Perfect. Ceremony of outreaching. That, and that makes sense. That's because it's whatever <laughs> method they have that involves this giant jewel that allows them to communicate with other people. Yeah, so they go. It was it's the master Nornrod Shalabal. They yeah, they touch this giant crystal and they're gonna reach out to Galactus. He's wreaking havoc though. The whole like climate change on a global level is happening here, like tidal waves and uh, cracks in the earth, earthquakes. Yeah, I mean, think of those uh, cables he just drilled into the planet. The width of those things. <laughs> they uh, send a message to him. Uh, it appears to be telepathically where they say that. Uh, yeah. If, if he destroys Zen Law, he's condemning the entire universe. And again, as he says it to, to Galactus, he's surrounded by the Kirby Crackle. Yeah. 
uh, Galactus just shoots like a laser beam through him that uh, blasts the master and destroys the crystal completely. <laughs> that actually got a big smile on Galactus' face. I don't know if you... Uh, he was pretty pleased with himself for doing that. Yeah, that which might uh, go a little bit against that. He's not good or evil thing there. <laughs> he flashes a big grin. <laughs> so the uh, the Kree and the Skrull, they're helping uh, the master in uh, Shalabal, and he says he must try again, but he wants the Skrulls and the Kree to flee with uh, their citizens. But instead, they decide they're going to unite to attack Galactus. The two of them, they, I wouldn't assume, came with armies, but... <laughs> The two of them are going to fight back. No, I mean, this one is a, I mean, this guy is literally like, he's like literally destroying the planet. I don't know what their little warships they think they're going to do at this point. I think fleeing probably would have been the better way to go. (laughs) Yeah, and completely reasonable. (laughs) Now, uh, Norrin, though, he's really shocked because uh, they've had this long year's war and they uh, are uniting to help each other. And uh, they uh, talk to each other. One of the scrolls says that they should just leave. It's not their fight, but uh, he might one day go for their hive world. The Korean scroll encur- encourage each other to bring honor and victory. Yeah, but, so they do, they do throw that little piece of logic at you there. to Because everyone would certainly be wondering, like, why the hell would they stick around? So they get that to you there in that dialogue. But then Galactus just evaporates both ships like they're not even there. <laughs> Which I gotta say, I was I kind of shocked me at the, watching it because I mean this is a cartoon. Uh, I mean, there's no way around it. He just killed everybody on both of those ships. <laughs> yeah, what he manages to do this uh, planet before they stop him at all. Uh, he took a lot of lives. Yeah, <laughs> like I was uh, I was surprised that I thought they'd do some bit where he blows up the ship, but they get off and escape hatches or something. But no, he just evaporates them <laughs> yeah we go back to the planet the master set fears it's the end he must prepare it noren says that uh zen law cannot bring peace to the galaxy if it doesn't exist and we cannot give up <laughs> he um he actually screams shaking his fist to the watcher to show yourself he says that uh how dare he say he offers sorrow and pity if he's just gonna let this world be destroyed <laughs> And he brings up what you and I brought up, that you've already broken your vow. You might as well break it more. Yeah, you might as well step in and join the fight. He does even say, you will tell us more. <laughs> yeah, he gets pretty demanding with Uatu here. So he says that uh, he he must know a way to save their planet. And then the next shot, you see Norrin going to a, a rocket ship, which I got to say looks extremely similar to the original design for Superman's rocket when he left Krypton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes into space and he has the piece of the crystal, which he uses to, to talk to Galactus. Uh, this is the first time you hear Galactus talk, which uh, is pretty awesome. I got to say, he sounds pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah. Again, they, they do pretty good uh, with the voice sounding like what you expect it to sound like based off what he looks like. And he makes Galactus an offer. Um, he says that he has the one thing he needs, which this makes Galactus crack a big smile. <laughs> he is pretty amused by this insignificant guy saying he's got something he needs. <laughs> yeah. He says that uh, he has nothing he needs or wants. In fact, nobody does. But he tells him that if he spares Zen Law, then he'll be his herald. He will help him find other planets to consume. But he says his powers are limitless. But he does grow weary of the endless search. (laughs) Great reason. So, which the comic, most of the ones I've read, it always implies that pretty much like the hunger is never ending. Like when he consumes a planet, it's almost like, you know, when the old eating Chinese food, you're going to be hungry a half an hour later. Like he, it seems to be like he's never taken a break from searching for substance. Yeah, I always kind of thought of it as a, a kid, uh, a little less like Chinese food, but more like uh, <laughs> the vastness of space is is so huge that, you know, he has to really immediately start the search afterwards because by the time he finds an appropriate sort of planet. And that was the other thing, too, that the, the planets that were actually appropriate for him to feed off of were, you know, not every planet out there. It was a, a limited amount. So, yeah, I always took it like that. Like the search was so vast and, and difficult that he 
had to start immediately or else he wouldn't find anything in time. So uh, basically, implication is that he can rest while the Silver Surfer will find the planet. And then once the planet's found, he can go and, and he can satisfy the hunger. And he says he will spare Zen Law. Yeah, <laughs> spare it after he just messed that planet up good. Yeah, they don't really uh, deal with the fact that he just caused a tsunami and earthquakes <laughs> and cracks in the earth. <laughs> no, they don't at all. It, just like, and I know you said you haven't seen it yet, but the Eternals has a similar sort of issue. And maybe they will address it going on. But as of yet, they have not explained, uh, and this is going to ruin it for your, you, but you should have seen it by now, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> they're going to have to somehow rec- deal with the fact that a, a, a celestial started to come out of the planet earth <laughs> but then was stopped say maybe like eight to ten percent of the way out and now is just there still and by the looks of it in the movie is is projecting pretty high up into the sky like they pass the clouds uh sort of level so yeah when you that sort of destruction is caused to a planet that planet is not going to be the same again <laughs> Doc just messed this planet up. He may have left, but it's definitely broken. <laughs> um, he goes to Shalabal and tells him that he's going to just take him to only uninhabited planets that have the energy he needs. Because she implies uh, he'd be doing going against what Zen Law stands for. Yeah. Um, and this is this is right from the comics. They kept this true. That that was always his idea that he had to get around the issue he'd take him to planets that would sustain him but it did not have uh, life on them but then there's a twist <laughs> she says this is what he's always longed for to search the galaxy so he must use it wisely and they have a big kiss and she says she loves him but then she like at the last minute is like crying and screaming that she to galactus to, to take her with him <laughs> He then makes him the, he's going to make him the silver surfer. He like puts him in his, Galactus puts him in his fist shooting uh, energy. He says uh, he's going to give him a portion of his own power cosmic to make him the silver surfer. He will be no longer need to eat, no longer need to drink, no longer will need to breathe the air. He'll be able to heal himself and others. He'll be able to transmute the elements. And then my favorite line, the cosmic bolts of awesome power will be yours to hurl. (laughs) Yeah. And even says uh, the coldest reaches of space nor the the heat of the hottest sun will hurt him. Um, He'll be able to travel faster than any starship to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. I really should just be playing the speech because I'm not, I can't even do it. I can't even come near to doing it justice to how awesome the speech is when Galactus gives it. <laughs> but then he ends with Norrin Ran exists no more. Norrin Rad. Uh, Norrin Rad, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Norrin Rad will exist no more. His, his, his very mind will be a new page. And then he says, arise, go my silver surfer. And pretty awesome scene where he opens his fist and he is the silver surfer. Yeah, and great classic looking form. He looks good in this, I would say. Right off the bat, he actually says to Galactus, what about this planet, pointing to Zen Law. (laughs) And Galactus explains how he made a promise to an honorable man that this planet would never be consumed. Yeah, that threw me off for a second. Uh, I had to rewind it, actually, and be like, did he really just, like, spin around? I was like, what about my home? (laughs) (laughs) But yes, yes, he did. They really wanted to hammer home the idea that he had no memories whatsoever of his life as Norn Rad. Which I assume, um, I'm assume that's going to lead the plot lines down the road of him starting to remember his former life. Yeah, yeah, certainly in the the start of Silver Surfer and the comics and whatnot too. That was that was kind of the big story, you know. Will he figure out who he was and what all that? So yeah, I imagine this is going to follow right along with that. And then the end of Watcher narrates his mission, what he's going to do, and. An awesome scene where his board flies to him. He gets on it. The watcher ends by saying, Behold, 
the Silver Surfer. <laughs> and we end uh, credits. And there you have it. Silver Surfer, the origin of the Silver Surfer, part one. One. <laughs> So uh, I am, uh, even though we're not reviewing it, I'm going to go and watch the other two parts to see how this ends. Yes, absolutely. It's good. It gets into good stuff. Should we spoil? Like, I don't mean the story necessarily, but. Feel free. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Thanos shows up. Thanos has a weird voice, but uh, he's still cool as Thanos. The Living Planet Ego shows up, I think, episode two also. So big things happen. It's good. It is a, uh, it's a good starting point. We're going to get into our full review in a second, but uh, I guess the knowing what I know now, maybe I would have picked a different episode where he's the actual Silver Surfer for more than the last like couple of minutes of the episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but origin stories are always good. I mean, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> origin stories are always good starting <laughs> points. There we go. They're not always good, but they're always good starting points. So, we're going to go right over to our spectrometer. For anyone new to the show, the spectrometer is where we rank what we just saw. Zero spectros being absolute garbage. Four spectros being it doesn't get any better. Adam Booker, how many spectros are you going to give Silver Surfer the origin of the Silver Surfer Part 1? I am willing to give this a, a good, uh, solid three spectros or if i could do partials i would go for (laughs) 3.25 suddenly felt like 3.5 was too far um yeah i think it's a it's really solid uh on um how true they stay to his origin uh his motivations also the same with galactus and his uh motivations and and all that um, I really love that they went so far as to try and homage the art style of Kirby uh, where they could. Like you said, the, the CGI stuff, a lot of it worked pretty well. The cables from Galactus were one of the things that stood out to me as awkward. But uh, overall, it was a good animation, good job staying true to the story and everything. So I give it a solid three. Uh, you can do uh, halves or points. So if you want to do the 3.25, okay. that's, that's acceptable. Okay. I'm going to go three and a half. Um, I was surprised. I really uh, thought this was good. I, I liked the cosmic animation style they did with the it, one time where the CGI actually makes sense and for the most part, I think works. I like the character designs. Galactus, I, I particularly loved on this cartoon. I loved the uh, the opening theme song, I, I thought was awesome. I liked that they didn't dumb it down, really. It's not. Yeah. It almost doesn't feel like this was a cartoon aimed at children i think mm-hmm. i enjoyed it yeah i think that that uh esoteric sort of stuff of uh silver surfer is what makes it have that feel like it's a little more adult which uh it can be nice when you're 40 years old and watching a cartoon to review for a podcast <laughs> uh the only flaws i would say is like you had said some of the cgi is kind of clunky um and i didn't care for the the design of the scrolls <laughs> yeah and it would take a little bit of point off only on my own hang up of uh, wanting a little bit more of the Silver Surfer, but that uh, I can't really hold that against the uh, the cartoon itself. What did you think out there? Did you like it more than we did? You probably couldn't have liked it too much more than we did, but you might have liked it less. If uh, if you didn't like it, that's, that's fine. It's uh, everyone's opinion. We can't take that away from you. If you want, always go to my uh, social media and uh, let us know. Make your c- comments known about Silver Surfer. The Origin of the Silver Surfer Part 1. Also, what we tackle every week in 2022, if a child came across this cartoon, what do you think? Do they enjoy it? I don't think so, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) If I had to be objective, probably not. (laughs) It's a a little slow-moving. I do think maybe some of the the existential sort of-ness to it uh, might be a little too much. Yeah, I'm not sure if... uh... I don't. I, I question with the the conception. I don't. I don't know how much they were. I mean, it was on Fox Kids. It's a cartoon, but I, it doesn't feel like they were really trying that hard to aim this. Maybe they thought kids don't need to be dumbed down, and they thought it was they were ready for it. But I think a lot of them are just going to be kind of confused by what they're seeing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess if you look back at some other cartoons too, some of them get some pretty 
wacky uh, first episodes too. If you ever watched the first Thundercats, it's pretty weird. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't. I, I don't know. I, and I think some of the CGI they might think is weird. I don't. I, I'm going to say no. I don't think a kid in two, 2022. I mean, my daughter would be kind of hypnotized by the 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 visuals but she's only two two <laughs> uh my stepsons though are both are 15 and 14 and i'm guaranteed they would it would not hold their interest whatsoever yeah and uh of course it's got the familiarity um is not so prevalent now for silver surfer not being in the in the 90s when he was pretty hugely popular character and like we said there's overprinting of comics at that time yeah it's true and when you do a marvel cartoon now if it's None of it's in the MCU. A lot of the younger people aren't even going to know what it is. Yeah, because that's where their familiarity of these characters comes from, not from the the comics so much anymore. Well, what did you think out there? Like I said, if you could always uh, go to my social media and uh, give me your two cents. Uh, You can find me on Twitter, at Matt Spectro, while you're leaving a comment. If you could follow me, I love that. Go to my Facebook page, Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. You can leave your comments there and uh, follow and like while you're there as well. I want to thank this week's guest, Adam Booker. I want to thank you for joining us. I hope you'll come back to the multiverse. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me, and I'd love to come back for more episodes. This is right down my alley. Loved uh, comics and loved cartoons. Still do, so I'm game. Uh, and every week, uh, not not every guest has something to plug, but if they do, I always give the free plug time. That time is now. The floor is yours. Plug away. I do have uh, one thing I can plug. Uh, from what I understand, this episode will be coming out on uh, February 11th, or at least that's the current target. So that night, actually, uh, I will be at Chaotic Wrestling at their show, I believe, in uh, Lexington, Mass., if I remember right. Hopefully I got that right, since I'm plugging it. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter, at RealBooker on Twitter, uh, at Adam.Booker on Instagram. And uh, nobody uses Facebook anymore. <laughs> I mean, that'd be a hell of a day. They wake up, listen to Adam Booker on a podcast, and then go see Adam Booker live and in person. Right? Really, uh, really treating the fans of Adam Booker to just a whole, whole day of me. I'd like to say we planned it that way, but it uh, turns out to be quite the nice coincidence that we're airing the episode the same day of your next show. Yeah, right. It works. I like it. I want to thank you all for joining us, and if you could also. Uh, Smash the subscribe button on my podcast. I'd appreciate it. And uh, if you could, uh, if you had the time, feel so inclined, give me a, a review. Five stars preferable. If uh, I'd appreciate it as well. And if you have any suggestions for the show, any guests you'd like to see come back, any new guests you'd like to hear, if you'd like to be on the show, or you just have a comment or suggestion, contact me on social media. Till then, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank Adam Booker for being here. And join us next week for another episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse.